Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So Phil, today we're excited to welcome Desiree Reed-Francois to the Sea Captain Way podcast. Desiree is the athletic director at the University of Missouri-Columbia. Since her appointment in 2021, Desiree has transformed Mizzou athletics in every way, including department culture, the student-athlete experience, facility enhancements, fundraising, community engagement, and the fan experience. That's a lot, Desiree. Holy cow. I have a great team is what it means. Thank you. Yeah, Desiree, welcome. What a treat. What a pleasure to have you on, you know, especially based on the relationship that uh, we've been able to build. And all this stuff, Greg, that you mentioned has been done in a short, short period of time. So uh, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Greg, thank you for the kind introduction. And we are, there have been a lot of milestones, but really it's all because we have an incredible team, very values-based and student-athlete focused. So, and incredible alignment with the campus. So I can't take all that credit. And again, having seen it, it shows. So Greg, let's get started. Yeah, let's do it. So being an athletic director for a school with major programs in the SEC is an enormously, enormously challenging work. We all see that from a distance and we understand it. It requires a dynamic and special sort of person to manage. You're Mizzou's first female athletic director, first woman of Hispanic descent to lead a Power Five program, and just the second woman to run an SEC program. What are some of the qualities necessary to be an athletic director at a university that competes at this level, in particular the SEC? Well, thank you for that. And the authenticity, and I am really looking forward to the day when, and I was telling this to one of our soccer players the other day, you know, I was asked at UNLV, came from UNLV, what's it like to be a female athletic director? And I used to candidly answer it in a kind of a snarky way. I would say, well, I don't know how to be a man, so I'm just going to be a leader. And, you know, (laughs) then I started, I got here at Mizzou and I met with the soccer team within my first like two days. And it was just a get to know you, you know, meeting. And there was a young lady who kind of got emotional when she saw me. And and I asked her, I said, you know, why, um, why the emotion? And did I say something wrong? And she said, no, I just never knew that a Mexican woman could do to do this job. And I thought, you know what, Desiree, when you get asked that question, what's it like to be a female athletic director, a female CEO, et cetera, I need to think about her and be a lot more methodical and a lot more thoughtful. My genuine hope, you know, I have a son, his name is Jackson, he's 19. And while I don't intend to be a grandmother for a very, very long time, my, but I also recognize I have nothing to do with that call. My genuine hope is that when my future granddaughter is asked, what's it like to be a CEO? She's asked just that, not what's it like to be a female CEO? So I think you asked, your question was what goes into being a successful athletic director? Just like every leader, you got to build trust with people. That starts with caring for people. You have to have integrity. You have to be accountable. But you got to—you really have to care deeply about the people that you work with, 
You got to have the character and the competence to be able to lead others. Yeah, there's a big takeaway in this, a big theme here. Number one, and I felt it, and it's key learning here, which is we don't often realize our response to things and how it impacts other people. And when we finally have somebody who is vulnerable or takes this and wants to build on it, we have to realize our role and responsibility and how we communicate that. And I just appreciate what you said there, just in overcoming that, because we tend, when we get complimented, we tend to push away because we don't want the attention or we don't want to take the compliment in, only to find out that what they want is for us to take it and impact them. And so uh, well said there. Yeah, that has to be so gratifying when someone comes up and says, you helped me see future me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Profound. Thank you, Greg. And that's a cool observation. And, you know, Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, she wrote a wonderful book. I think it's called My Beloved and something like that. But a great book. And she talked about the importance of context. And there's something there, Greg. You just kind of made me think of it. I think as leaders, we always have to keep learning. We always have to have the humility to recognize there's so much that we don't know. We have to continue to evolve and really adjust so that you could advance. So Desiree, you earned an undergraduate degree from UCLA, where you were also a rowing team student athlete. You went on to earn a law degree from the University of Arizona College of Law and became a practicing lawyer. Before you began your collegiate administrative career, you were a legal associate for the NFL's Management Council and for the Los Angeles slash Oakland Raiders. You handled collective bargaining grievances during the club's previous relocation. What was that experience like? It was fantastic. You know, I just spoke to this engineering class last week, and I was talking about just things that I've learned, like seven things that I've learned throughout my career. And one of the big ones was relationships, and you never know how build authentic, real relationships because you never know how it's going to circle back around. For example, my first day on the job at UNLV was a brand new athletic director. Didn't really even know how to be an athletic director. Just going to do my absolute best. But you mentioned like I'm a lawyer by trade and my first day on the job, we were, it was our first negotiation session with the Raiders over the joint use agreement because we were about to build what became Allegiant Stadium. And I look across the table when I walk in and there's Mark Bedane, who was at the time the president of the Raiders. And Mark Bedane, when I was a legal intern at the Raiders, he was the guy, he was like the assistant, I don't know, like assistant CFO or assistant business manager. And he was the person you turned in your receipts to. And, you know, I played softball (laughs) with him. So it was a good opportunity just like, hey, those relationships, when I was telling this engineering class the other day, those relationships matter. And you never know how they're going to come back around. So treat people as they need to be treated. And just always remember the impact you can have on someone's life. But the, the experience working at the Raiders, you know, I've had a lot of mentors throughout my career one of which was Bill Walsh, and he really taught me the importance of details. But when I, before I even got to get to know Coach Walsh at the NFL, at at the Raiders, everybody there wore black or silver every day. That's what you did. And I just thought, you know what, you could wear white. The attention to detail there was a truly, like they talk about a commitment to excellence. And in football, as we know, it's a game of inches. The difference between a win and a loss is so incredibly small, but it's just like that in any business. So the importance of details and then the speed with which the NFL operates and then the beginnings of relationships that have lasted a lifetime were lessons I learned while working for the Raiders. 
Wow. So I've heard athletes say when you get to the college athletes say when you get to the NFL, everybody's faster and stronger. I didn't think if that's also true on the business well, side. Well, it's just a different purpose, right? Um, I can our imagine. Purpose, we have a common commonality. I have, you know, we have 20 sports versus they have one sport. Um, and it, uh, we also have an altruistic purpose and that we genuinely believe in the power and the transformational effect of education. And so, yes, while we have both big business realities, um, it's similar, but it's also very different. Yeah. Well, Indeed is the transfer portal for business, right? So nowadays, if you don't have a relationship built, you have a bad review uh, or deal with some adversity, and all of a sudden now you're like, okay, what's Indeed got to say? Maybe there's another team I should be playing for. So it's so critical in this branding element, and you do it impeccably well. I've, I've seen it. I, I've jumped in because I get so excited about it. But it is the attention to detail that matters. And because also on the other side, without a relationship, when that day is, the day of reckoning comes with regards to should I move or not, it makes that decision a lot easier. And so I think that's that's a huge layer. And uh, for the West Coast offense, Bill Walsh be giving you advice like that is strong. Not too shabby, dang. So uh, your journey includes now Dealing with personal tragedy, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You were planning a path to become the first female general manager in the NFL, since that's a natural path for being a lawyer and having that background. Your brother Roman was a college football player, and you thought you would represent him when he went to the NFL. And as a sophomore linebacker, he suffered a broken neck, lost the use of his legs, arms, and hands, and shoulders. Everything about your lives changed from there. Can you explain some of that change and how that altered your vision? Certainly. It took me about a decade to be able to talk about it because it was just so raw. But Roman and I, we all, my mom, dad, I I hit the parent lottery. We grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And before going to mass or we go to the 730 mass, 49ers had a 1030 game. Like that's what we did. Football has been a huge part of our lives. And I wanted to be a lawyer since I was in second grade and had an aunt that wore really cool clothes and was so elegant. And I thought, well, if she's a lawyer and gets to wear cool clothes and is elegant, that's what I want to be. And then, you know, I did want to be the first female GM in the NFL. And I worked at the NFL. But after Roman's accident on September 10th of 1994, my priorities and my purpose really shifted. I had an incredible experience as a walk-on rower at UCLA. My brother never had that opportunity that I had. So I've made it my life mission to be able to provide for my student athletes the opportunity that Roman never had. That's the reason why I do what I do, really clear in my purpose. And I think if you understand why genuinely you do what you do, not just the superficial, hey, this is the next step on the career ladder. Why do you want to do? Why do you want to impact people's lives? What brings you joy? And if you have that almost conversation, then you look within your soul and find that it's always good. You can withstand a lot of hard. You can withstand all the hard if you know the purpose and you know the why. Oh, boy. Greg, I uh, you almost got me there. That was worth the whole conversation today. And I appreciate you being open about it, having faced adversity similar to that, but different. I can appreciate that. I was thinking yeah, about that. right, Greg. It took me a long time to deal with that, with some of those things. 
just incredible how you leaned into it. I mean, what a like a character building crucible moment that I, I know I bow to you how you took that and, and turned it into something positive. You know, my brother's life is really challenging, and when things are challenging at Mizzou or just tri- trivial things that we all you know get worked up about. I think, you know what, Desiree, you got a higher calling. And no matter what you're going through, there's always someone that has it much more challenging than you do. And, you know, quick sort of interesting story that ties it all into Mizzou. So when Roman, after Roman's accident, and he was at Chabot Junior College when it happened in Hayward, California, he was a linebacker. But after a couple of years, I graduated from law school. The accident happened my first year in law school. But then Roman went to Cal and he didn't at the time have an electric chair. He had a push chair. And so I would go while I was studying for the bar, I would go push him to his class and then I go study for the bar and then I go pick him up and push him to the next class. Well, one day we had a like a four hour block and I, I don't remember why we did, but I, I had free time. And so I was walking on Fulton Avenue in Berkeley and there was this kind of salmon pink building and I, it was a Fulton Avenue and it was the athletic department. And I felt comfortable in athletic departments. I just walked in and I just asked if they needed any intern help. And I happened to run across a man by the name of Dan Coonan. And he said, well, what can you do? And I said, well, I don't know. I graduated from law school. And, and he said, can you do an EADA report? And I said, oh, absolutely. I had no idea what an EADA report was. <laughs> That's <laughs> there was awesome. A wonderful woman there that helped me, and that kind of started my whole path in college athletics. And funny that it all led back here to Mizzou because Dennis Gates was a point guard at Cal too. Wow, oh, right. I didn't know that. Holy cow! That's like a scene out of a movie, <laughs> yeah. Desiree. Oh my god! Wow, and that's awesome. Yeah. So Desiree, part of your philosophy for Mizzou Athletics is to win from within, and you make it a priority to spend time with teams and student athletes. You host party of five lunches every month where you take five student athletes to lunch to hear about their experiences. So why do you think making these kinds of connections is important and what kind of conversations take place during these lunches? I love them. I actually, I look, they're the highlight of my week. Yesterday, uh, Actually, even yesterday, it wasn't a party of five lunch, but I'll explain the party of five. What I do is our academic advisors select five student athletes. It has to be a broad cross section of teams, different races, different genders, freshmen, seniors, transfers. Like I just want and cannot be on the same team. That's my only requirement. And so they select the five. And, you know, it's it's so special. So we come, we sit down and I explain, I'm like, listen, there is no set agenda. I want to know about you and how you want to impact the world. If you graduate from Mizzou at, say, 22, and you will just say if you're an NFL player, the average career is, say, 3.4 years. So that takes you to 22, almost 20, say, 25. And then your average life expectancy is, say, 76.6 years. You have 50 years to impact the world. How do you want to do that? And so we talk about that. And then I also always ask them, if you were athletic director for a day or for a week, what would you do? And how can we make your experience even better? And and I listen and our staff knows usually at the end, I'm texting over some questions. I learned, We made sure that we hired an extra mental health professional because of a party of five conversation, because I had one student athlete that was worried about her teammates and just that they couldn't get in to see counselors in, in a timely manner. And I thought, okay. We need to hire another counselor. 
We even had student athletes who were like, Miss Francois, you know, we have, oh gosh, remember those old clam shells that were the, you know, the to-go containers? They're like, we're really bothered by that. Can we get recyclable or recyclable, you know, to-go containers? And then also, can we get real plates and real forks so that we don't have to always put so much plastic out there? And I was like, you know, it's a great idea. Let's figure out a way to make it happen. And so our, our student athlete's voice and that connectivity, especially in today's day and age, like Phil talked about it from an employee standpoint, but from a student athlete standpoint, they can transfer they also are incredibly, this generation is, they value authenticity so much because they can go and they can check everything that we as an adult will tell them. They can check it on their phone. And so you have to be authentic and real. And this is just a way for me. I'd send a lot of surveys, et cetera, et cetera. I go and I just go to the cafeteria and just go sit down with a group of student athletes too. And yesterday I did that with the gymnastics team. And so I have a lot of informal, but this is just a way for me to hear genuinely what's on their mind. Again, it's impressive. And Greg, you know, you know, I've come to understand Desiree, but this is a whole new level today. And one of the things that Greg, that I always admired when I first met you was when there was a plate and it's funny the things you recognize, but when there's a plate sitting out, let's say it's in the suite at a game or it's at an event, she always picks up the plate. <laughs> now, <laughs> and, and, and details. yeah, but you may not realize this, but when I was a houseboy in, and Greg knows this, I was a houseboy at the University of Missouri. I was the help. I was in charge of picking up the plates and, and doing the dishes and whatnot. And that's how I paid my food bill when I was at Missouri. Okay. And so the little things like that, I recognize and, and it didn't get lost on me at the beginning. Cause my first reaction was, why is she doing that? My second reaction is, well, that's what the leader does. Nice. Yeah. Desiree, and you, and, and you stuck the landing on the green initiative even before you met with the gymnastics <laughs> team for lunch. That's cool. Guys, what they can do on like six inches of a balance beam. I mean, I could never do it like on a big mat, let alone like six inches. They're just, they're amazing athletes, but even better people. So, you know, when we're hiring coaches, there's nothing more important that we do than hiring coaches. Uh, and I'll have so much data. Phil knows that I just love analytics. Um, but in the end, you're looking for someone. I'm not looking for a mercenary. I'm looking for a missionary, someone who's going to believe as much as as I do, someone who's going to believe as much as our student athletes do. Like when we hire anyone, like I want them to believe so much because then they're willing to withstand all the challenges and they're willing to pick up those plates and do the extra. Yeah. So here's a cool one, Greg. University of Missouri posted an 86 in the NCAA's graduation success rate metric. That's designed to assess student athlete academic achievement. Tigers improved from their score of 85, but there were four programs, women's golf, gymnastics, women's swimming and diving and women's tennis, all recording perfect scores. Okay. How does Mizzou help the student athletes work to achieve that right balance on success with success on the field and in the classroom? And especially now in this new world order with NIL, travel, conference change. I mean, I'll throw a few things in there, but what, how, do you, how are you managing all that? How you do anything is how you do everything. What I find is if you are excellent and working and Everyone has a different definition of excellence. Some people come in, they're not quite as academically prepared as others. Some are more gifted, have an intellect in the classroom. Some have an intellect working with people. Some have incredible empathy skills. So everybody's definition of excellence 
is a little bit different. But if you apply yourself with really just you work hard, you perform consistently and you master the details, you're going to be just fine. What we find is that the student athletes that are working hard in the classroom, they're going to work really hard on the court or in the pool or on the field. And they're going to do that same thing as leaders. So we celebrate the successes. We set the expectations. And one thing I'm really proud of academically, we've had five straight semesters of record GPAs here at Mizzou Athletics. We have a 3.31 cumulative GPA and football has it had Coach Drinkwitz's staff at or his team had a 3.0, which is the first time in Mizzou history. And again, it just goes back to setting the expectations, providing the resources, and then holding people accountable. Yeah. You know, Greg, back back in the day when I was at Mizzou, it took me two semesters to get to 3.13 GPA. Yeah, that yeah, was, was combined. combined. It was for the whole it was for the whole okay. year. That's a different conversation <laughs> for a different time. But that's that was my early yeah, birthday I present. Know, Thanks, I know. Phil. I just <laughs> it was uh I, I probably could have delivered that a little better. But anyway, but that matters. See, now all of a sudden I'm sitting here making fun of it because it was an area that was intimidating for me, academics. And uh, I was the proverbial C student that had to make phone calls for a living when I graduated. And and so I can appreciate that now, especially uh, with so much fire coming toward, is this still an academic endeavor, right? Is it still relevant? And you hear a lot of alumni speak about it. Is this even relevant anymore? And clearly it is for you. 100%. You know, the best coaches, I was actually having this conversation last night. We had an event where we were showing our our new seats here in the arena. And I talked about uh, a mentor of mine was Coach Pat Summit when I worked at the University of Tennessee for about five and a half years. And Pat, I learned the importance of telling, showing people you care and that vulnerability was okay. But I also learned from Pat the importance that the best coaches are the best teachers, That's really what coaching is. It's just teaching. And so there are credible lessons in the classroom, of course, but some of the best education is on that football field. It's in that pool. It's on the court. So I almost take offense when they say, hey, it's not about the education anymore. You know what? The average career is 3.4 years if you're going to go play NFL football. That Mizzou degree will last you the rest of your life. Well said. Mm -hmm. Wow. Bill Walsh and Pat Summit. Desiree, Um, that's quite a pedigree. Well, I've been... That I've is been the very big leagues. And I have a, a kind of a stalker mentality sometimes that if I just really respect <laughs> someone, <you> know, okay. <laughs> I'm going to wear you out I so it. I can okay. like, learn from you a little bit. I've, I've seen that firsthand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love mm-hmm. to learn, and everybody can teach you something. And so, and my mentors aren't all just incredibly, you know, like famous coaches. Like my mother was my first mentor, and she's no one's impacted my life more than her. Awesome. So Desiree, the University of Missouri Board of Curators unanimously approved a contract extension for you this spring. Board Chair Michael Williams said that after two years of your tenure, Mizzou fans are excited and breaking attendance records in many of Mizzou's sports, and your leadership has brought student athletes, fans, and a broader university community together. What is your vision for the future of Mizzou athletics? Well, first, Chair Williams, we cannot have a better board chair. He is just not only is he a great leader and has a broad vision for the university. He's just an even better person. So we talk about the importance of alignment and he personifies that. He just wants what's genuinely the best for Mizzou, Mizzou athletics, and 
between he and President Choi, who talk about a visionary leader. But you have Chair Williams, President Choi. We could not do what we're doing in athletics if it wasn't for them. So I'm incredibly appreciative. You asked me about kind of the vision for Mizzou Athletics, and it's really simple. We want to be the modern model of intercollegiate athletics. We want all of our sports to hang banners. We want our student athletes to graduate and impact the world. And we want them to go and do exactly just that, go and impact the world in a positive way. So we, And then we also need to bring our communities together and the entire state together. One thing that was different when I first got here, we went on this caravan. We went on 26 stops throughout Missouri to Chicago. And then we also went to Dallas, which are two big alumni bases for us. And a little bit, one thing I discovered that's different from when I was at UNLV, UNLV was kind of a little more regional. Mizzou is the entire state. And we realize the importance. If we do excellent work and reach out to people, invite them to come home, we can make something really, really special. So that's what we want to do. We want to hang banners and bring people together. Yeah. And it's working, Greg, and you see it, I see it. And I was, you know, my return to being involved with the university, because I probably went on about a 20-year hiatus moving away from the area, was to re-engage and see the before picture, not just the current picture. And it is amazing. It's an easy sell. You're seeing it becoming a national brand this year because of just, and not just because of the wins and losses, but because of the character of the people. And that's the piece that I really have enjoyed and experienced. And as you know, in Sea Captain, we drive it. Yeah. I mean, how fun was it to be back in March Madness? I mean, yeah, good right. Lord. That yeah. was so awesome. We're, we're raving fans and it's probably unfair to our listening audience to, because we are such big raving fans today, but the message is still clear. It's about building, growing, culture, all the things that you're sharing. So for this, we're going we're gonna to wrap on this question. It's been a wonderful visit, but I couldn't let this end without asking you. Uh, your father, Don Reed, was a diver at Marine World Africa USA in Redwood Shores, California, and wrote in his book, Notes from an Underwater Zoo, love the title, in it, he said, you were swimming with dolphins before you could walk. <laughs> How did you guys find this, by the way? <laughs> Let's talk. This is a... It's that Mizzou it's journalism the degree. School degree coming out. So let's talk about that. That is a great way to end this call today. Uh, yes, my dad was the diver at Marine World. It's now Oracle. It's the headquarters of Oracle on that land. I did. I was very blessed. Like I said, I... I won the parent lottery. And I think that's from my dad. And, you know, my first job was cutting fish to feed dolphins. And I think I was probably like 10. And I would spend all summer with him. And I would go to work with him. And I would go and I'd have my little notebook. And I would take notes about dolphin behavior. And then I would provide it to the scientists. And, and I'm sure they were just laughing at me. But now that I think about it. But I felt that I was doing very good work. Uh, but it really <laughs> <laughs> it instilled in me a love of learning and a sense of adventure. Also, an appreciation for the beauty of nature. Well, I, uh, I for one, have uh, thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, Greg, any wrap-up thoughts you have before we... No, yeah, this is fantastic. So many different dimensions, and just congratulations on all the success and all the the things you've done for Mizzou. I mean, just the basketball team, the football team, you know, it's, everything's just hitting on all cylinders. So I bow to you, and uh, yeah, I'm getting, Phil's got... I found my school spirit, and I've been getting back down to Columbia. So thank you for everything you've done. I can see you, Greg, and I love the hat. And it really isn't, 
it's not me. It's about what we are all doing. And we have great people. And if you continue to support your people, great things are going to happen. Soul and structure. Yeah, it's very evident. Great job, Greg, as always. Great preparation for this. He's making Mizzou look good. The journalism school look good today as well. So Seriously, um, I can't believe you found that my dad worked at Marine World. And that was was really fun. I haven't heard that one in a while. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's heartfelt. Great work and continued success to you. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you soon. Thank you both very much. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey.